Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Okay, welcome. Hi, I'm Diana Dettinger, and we are on Journey to Success Radio. And I have the immense privilege today to interview a woman that I've already collaborated and worked with, and her name is Meredith Bell. So welcome, Meredith. Oh, thank you, Diana. I'm so excited to be here and have a chance to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, great. So we want this to be super packed full of a, a very you know flowing conversation all about certain principles of the Napoleon Hill principles that we find very essential right now, especially for entrepreneurs, people, you know, looking for more success in an entrepreneurial business with their client relationship. Because Meredith is one of the big go-to people. 25 years now, she has been with the same partner and have, you know, been building their business, which is so focused on you know, customer service, communication, service. And so she has, you know, we could be here for hours. <laughs> we won't be here. We'll be here for like, you know, 30, 45 minutes sharing, you know, her insights based on all of this experience that are, that are really, really worth hearing. Because when you've been in an industry so long, you see the evolution of the focus of business and how, you know, why we are where we are now in this period where certain principles are more important than others. So, you know, Meredith's been an entrepreneur since 1982. She's an expert really in helping businesses with the people side of their business. She's co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems, and it's a global software company. So she's based in Virginia in the United States, and their products are used by business consultants, executive coaches, human resources professionals, training professionals, really to help these people become effective leaders. So before we started recording, we had this interesting little talk about service so give us your 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 insight on how what is this serving customers all about for you well I think uh, it, it starts with an attitude uh, which is you know what can I provide for this person not what can they do for me and I think people sense that when you are establishing a relationship. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I've met a lot of really neat people um, through there and have formed some great relationships. But it's interesting to see when you're initially exchanging messages with people, 
who is more of a taker that's wanting to know what you can do for them or they're trying to push their products and services on you too fast um, versus those that are genuinely interested in learning more about you. As a human being and as a, you know, potential partner or business um, alliance in some way, I just think that taking the approach, how can I serve this person? How can I be of help to them initially? And this was a, you know, kind of a transition I had to go through myself because um, my role in our company, I have the two business partners and we've worked together, as you said, for over 25 years. My role is sales and marketing. And one of the things that I pride myself on is we have some of the same customers and resellers um, uh, that we had 25 years ago. So we've wow. got people that really enjoy doing business with us. And I think part of that is because we do our best to give them a great experience um, and when it comes to how we treat them, mm -hmm. how we interact with them. And so I, that's just one of our core values is being of service to others. And even if it's something unrelated to, you know, to our products, if they are speaking of something they need and I know of someone that can provide that to them, I make that introduction, I make that referral. And I just think it's a core element. Um, you know, we talk about giving people great service, but what it comes down to is what kind of experience do we give them in that human being, you know, one-on-one -on -one interaction? Well, do you see the majority of your clients in person as in local business or no. is it more oh, online? No, we are international, really. We've got customers in, you know, other countries that have used our product for years. We have very few local uh, clients because we've when we decided to make the transition back in 94 from being a consulting firm where we did work, you know, in person with leaders um, in organizations and became a software company, we decided to work through resellers who are located in a lot of different areas. And so I've been in the build relationship building business with them. And thanks to technologies like Zoom, you know, or Skype, we can now have face-to-face -face conversations that are almost as good as being there in person. Wow. So you do more via Skype? Like when you were saying, okay, so customers haven't have, you know, uh, an issue. And so your relationship then, though, is in a certain way face-to-face? In a way, you could okay. say that. Mm -hmm. Or do they have a yeah. request even just our, by email? You know? Yeah, our tech support team will use Zoom also to um, you know, have a conversation with someone and also take a look at their program and see how they can help them. So, um, yeah, we use it in a number of different ways. Yeah. And so what is the, what is the most important communication skill that people really need to have mastered to be able to serve more? You know, Diana, I think beyond any other, it's listening. Yeah. It's, it's like way up there, way higher than the others. For one thing, it's the foundation skill for so many other communication skills. And another thing, most people don't do it well. We think, oh, I'm a pretty good listener. But if we really... Um, Think about what listening entails. For one thing, it isn't just sitting passively and saying nothing. 
you know, or waiting for our turn to talk. It's really, and you are such, a, to me, a genius at this, the way you really <laughs> integrate, um, you know, not just the words the person is saying, but you pick up the whole sense of who they are yeah. and what they are trying to say or what's going on with them. And I think that's really the key in effective listening is, and, you know, we hear about how, you know, pay attention to body language. It's really just kind of raising your awareness so you're absorbing who this person is at this yeah. moment and what um, are they coming up with any issues or problems or challenges that perhaps I could help them with. Um, but it's funny when I have initial conversations with people I've, and to me, another piece of listening is asking questions. So I'm prepared, not with a standard list, but just, I, I might have one or two to kind of get things going. And then it's building off their responses that I ask additional questions to go deeper. Because I'm all about having meaningful relationships. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I think that what helps me stand out when I have conversations is people sense that I'm genuinely interested in them. It's not, all right, I want to find out this information so then I know what product to try to, to present to you. It's, it's really getting to know them as a human being because most of the time people are starved for that. They, you know, not enough time is spent just being with someone, being fully present. And when you have had that done to you and you know how good it feels, it's very motivating to then try to be that way with other people. And um, I just think, so listening to me is part, you know, obviously hearing what the person is saying, but then paying attention to what they're not saying and asking questions that help uncover some of those right. other unspoken things to see if my intuition is right, because it isn't always, and then getting them to talk a little bit more about what's important to them um, and sensing their values and affirming those things that we get so busy we just don't take time to do. And a lot of times at the end of those conversations, there might be five minutes left and they'll say, well, I don't know anything about you right now. And I'll say, you know, that's okay. This doesn't have to be the only conversation we ever have. I yes. wanted to get to know more about you so that if I know some people, because I love to connect people, if right. I know someone who would be a good resource for you or that I think you ought to know, I'll make that introduction. And, or if I know of something that would be helpful, I will tell them. And then also, I'm not afraid if they do bring up something where I think one of our products could be a nice fit, I will say, you know, I think there's a possibility this could be a nice match with what you're looking for here. And I would be glad to set up a time to tell you more about that. So it, and then they're very open to it because they've just been given, you know, all this um, well, they've been understood, right. you know, that's, people, that's exactly right. And, and people can be understood because they have, um, you know, uh, a sense of not having enough information. So that's maybe a more pragmatic kind of exchange of information, but it could even just be, 
you know, wow, you know, I'm new in this company and I feel like a newbie and I'm really, you know, working like more of an emotional issue where they're just uncomfortable, they're, they're not confident. And, you know, until you can get over, I mean, you know, in, in, in my experience, until you can get over that emotional uncomfortableness mm-hmm. of, of, of whatever, I mean, I find it's usually lack of self-confidence, you know, um, or wanting to please, wanting to be accepted by the group, saying the yes, even though it's a no, uh, you know, working too hard at uh, t- too much effort with not enough return. Um, yeah. When you can get that relationship, people are emotionally more trusting. Mm-hmm. And then they can open up to explain, you know, what's really going on. It could be a people issue or yes. it could be an information, you know, a, a technological issue. And, and, and yes. relationships when, uh, when people can just be real. And safe. Know, you know, yes. that's a word that just came to mind as you were talking. What you're describing, when that trust gets built, they feel safe. Yeah. And then they're more willing to be open and tell you the truth right. about things. And so, you know, one of the things that I think when you're, when you're meeting somebody new and you're, um, especially in a business setting where it could be a potential client at some point, to help them relax to just assure them, you know, the purpose of our call here today is just to get to know each other. You can relax. I'm not going to be waiting for the right moment to, you know, make a sales pitch to you. That's not the purpose. And you can, I can almost sometimes hear them, oh, (laughs) like relief (laughs) sheds off of them. Uh, You know, when is she going to try to sell me something? And then it's refreshing when I don't. I'd like to share my very favorite quote with you about this whole idea of service. I think you're going to love it. It's out of a book called The Prosperous Coach by uh, Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. And Rich is the one that actually said this in one of his chapters. It's my favorite quote in the whole book and of almost all my quotes. So here it is. Before you get into a conversation with someone, if you ask yourself, how can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? Wow. What does that mean in terms of who you have to be and how you have to approach that conversation in order for it and you to be memorable? And well, it, for one thing, it's not all about you, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember just for the listeners, you know, um, Meredith and I have even had, you know, conversations that were supposed to be about business, but we ended up talking about our, you know, free time hobbies, you know, what we do in our free time. And, you know, uh, maybe in another call, we'll share what, what, what stayed with me was your experience snorkeling with the grouper (laughs) and, and how, how a story that is a, a very genuine sharing about something that impacted your personal life that shifted your view on, let's say, our relationship with, you know, with animals. Let's, you know, let's put it in that category uh, for the listeners. How that has touched my life and my relationship with animals. So, you know, we think that we're, you know, we're sharing you know, we aren't anymore in business. We're not just sharing the how to be successful, the how to. We're sharing 
our life experiences that could seem disconnected from business success, making money. But the, and that's why it's so important now, this connection, because we can tell something that was meaningful for us. And that's how we most impact people. It's, yes. it's just, and, yeah. And you're bringing up a point that to me kind of pulls around that question and also the listening piece. Because if you're, what makes you have a memorable conversation with someone is you're listening to them in a powerful way. So you're really hearing what they're saying and not saying, but then you're also asking them questions that perhaps no one else has ever asked them because you are connecting with them and being fully present, which brings back the grouper story, which was, you know, being there on the same level with this creature and looking eye to eye and just being in that moment. And that's, you know, it has lessons for us in life in terms of being in that moment with someone else. We're not checking email. We're not looking at anything else. We're not checking the time. We're just making the commitment to be fully there for them. And so you listen, but you also can offer ideas, ask questions, share your own experience, and all of that together without dominating, but it's intensely relevant to what they're talking about at that moment so that they feel a sense of appreciation and gratitude afterwards because like you said, they feel understood. Somebody got them and somebody was focused on contributing to their life at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah, I, I think it's just huge. Yeah. I, I think uh, until people, well, for me, life isn't just the idea and the concept, you know, it's not just talking about it. It's having the experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even, you know, for the listeners, when, if you have had that kind of conversation with someone, then you can, you can feel, you can know, oh, wow, now Meredith is reminding me, that's what I need to replicate every time. That's what feels good to me and to my you know, potential client or potential JV partner or, you know, potential mm -hmm. mentor. That kind of openness and connection and presence is what's really going to make me afterwards perceive that that was time well invested. Yes. Or maybe a listener hasn't had that kind of experience. And so, you know, this is what we're encouraging you to do is have that be in the present moment, which could include, like you said, close the emails, put off the, you know, the telephone, be clear about your intention at the beginning, obviously, especially when it's an opening the door or, you know, say a cold call to get to know them. But what about, what about a second or third call once there is the relationship and you, you perceive that your product is a good fit? How do you not become salesy in, in that kind of situation? I think, great question. I think a key element is tying it into something they've already told you. So you're not trying to create a need. You are recognizing a need and you are not making an assumption that it's the best fit for them at this point. But I, in our case, um, because we're software, I would suggest 
let me, letting me give them a demo or giving them a link to a recorded demo that I've done so they can take a look at it and evaluate. I like the live demos when I sense somebody has an interest but may not see the direct connection because then I can guide them as I go through the demo. And then getting the right people on the call, of course, is another key element of that. So whatever right. makes sense um, for someone as the next step, in bringing someone closer to saying yes, what information do they need to hear or see in order to evaluate what you're offering and what they need? And I think you can eliminate other contenders from the get-go with the relationship that you establish up front. Uh, unless they're in a really big bureaucracy, you know, where they've got certain, you know, hoops they've got to go through. But if you're talking to a decision maker who can say yes, the relationship part is a key element um, to establish first and then getting the, and then showing them what you have and how it can benefit them. Because, you know, I, I might be unique, but I think a lot of people don't really enjoy having to go through the shopping and comparison um, kind of actions, you know, and that if they can, and, and this is where having testimonials in the form of, you know, videos of people saying what problem they had, um, what they were looking for, how your solution looked like the right one and the results they've gotten, that reassures people, oh, yes, think about how many of us check reviews. Exactly. Purchase now. So these testimonials that you can get are case studies help make that case for you. And it reinforces what they're sensing from you, but don't have proof yet because right. they haven't started using it. So I think not being afraid of asking and, you know, uh, for the, whatever the next step is, when you feel confident that what you have um, could answer some of the problems or address some of the problems they have, then it, I think of it as I have a responsibility right. to do that for them because that's how I can serve them best. And if it's not a match, then I would be upfront with them and tell them because I'm in this for the long term. I'm not trying to make a quick sale. And I think those days are long gone. They, it, it, trying to make a quick sale and put pressure on to get somebody to say yes doesn't work. I don't know how well it did work, but it doesn't work today. And I think having that service mindset and, and thinking personal responsibility is really a key. Well, now, is this more, is, do you find there's a difference between like a high-end investment? If an entrepreneur has a low-end product, then you would uh, spend less time in relationship building. If you have a high-end product, you'd spend more time. How do, you, how do you mix that around? Oh, I love your questions. Well, a couple of thoughts. One is um, I, I really work to you know, treat everyone equally. Uh, I'm not trying to um, discriminate because here's the thing, people know other people. So even if they are right. not going to be necessarily your ideal client, you know, I've had some amazing conversations with some very influential people who were not personally going to be users of my product. 
after you know we got to know each other but they have introduced me to other people that have led to some fabulous relationships and some really great sales so i think it's dangerous to make assumptions about what somebody could be worth to you and right. to look at them through that lens i think looking at them as their value as a human being and affirming that and actually doing something for them first. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who are podcast hosts, so I like to introduce people just as one example. Yeah. Or I, there's a fellow I met through LinkedIn that has this really cool um, app that I think some entrepreneurs really need to know about. So I've been passionate about, you know, introducing him to people that I think could benefit. He's not a, a prospect for us, but now he's thinking of people he knows that he can introduce me to. Wow. And, you know, I didn't put any kind of um, restrictions or contingencies on my making these introductions to him. It came from a spirit of seeing the value of what he has and thinking of, I know this person that he needs to know. He doesn't know that person. So let me make an introduction. Right. And that kind of thing people remember and appreciate. And I just have this kind of faith in the universe, you know, that this good <laughs> energy out there, put it out yes. there. And I don't have to have this particular person now come back and buy my product. Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, are you familiar with that? I just I've heard love of it. his book. Well, he actually talks about three kinds of people, givers, takers, and matchers. And the takers, of course, are always looking for what can you do for me? And the givers are looking for how can I serve you? But the matchers are saying, I'll serve you, but I'm going to keep tabs. Okay. And I'm gonna, I might call in my chips sometime. Or even without overtly saying that, they're looking to the other person going, okay, I did this for you now. What are you going to do? And people feel those strings being attached. Yes. I think, when you do something. And they're more reluctant to receive what it is you'd like to give them if they sense that there's, you know, an expectation. Right. So I really um, think it's important to just have that mindset of giving to other people. Um, so I just, I would just yes, tie that into the overall message of what we're talking about. Yeah, it's the same what I found in a lot of people that put the expectation on having that particular result. Let's say that door closed, but because that door closed, a better opportunity opened. And so even how you, you know, you started out, it's all about your attitude. And so if your attitude is... Um, I have that short-term goal and it has to go the way I want it, which means you're really putting that tension of expectation control on every situation instead of when you're relaxed in a even sales conversation, but it's just like you were explaining something to your best friend. Hey, you know, this is the service that I do. And it's just a real nonchalant exchange of, you know, information, hey, and what do you do? And, you know, like you're at a, like not at a cocktail party, you know, that's a little bit sort of a superficial kind of environment maybe. Um, but it's, it's just a whole different lightness because your attitude yes, yes. is, yes, you know, yes, it, it doesn't um, have to be this. It just, right. And you're bringing that up reminded me um, the other benefit of 
keeping that question in mind, how can I serve this person powerfully? It immediately puts you in a more relaxed state because you are not thinking about yourself and how can I impress this person and feeling the pressure of looking for that opening so you can talk about your product. That kind of pressure, the other person senses and it can create a strained conversation instead of a relaxed, comfortable one where they, you want them to feel comfortable opening up and talking with you and telling you the truth because it's only right. when you know the truth that you'll know, is this someone who is potential prospect for us? And if not, that's fine. I can, you know, see if there's something I can do for them. And if not, then that, you know, we've had a good conversation. I've tried to be of help and I can move on, but it's that lightness. I love that word because I think that it, if you think about when you take a deep breath and breathe and really relax, how light you can feel versus that heaviness almost on your shoulders. Oh my gosh. Or the dread, you know, all these negative emotions that can get stirred up and be in the forefront of our mind when we try to have a conversation versus well, focusing on the other person. I mean, wouldn't that even depend your lightness could that also depend on how much you really feel that your product is transformational? I mean, there could be, let's say sure. an entrepreneur could be on a team just like your team and he could be the head of sales and marketing, but he shopped around and he sees that his competitors are, are better. Either it's a, you know, price quality relationship. So how do you, um, how do you become, let's say, loyal to your product? Uh, even, you know, there's, <laughs> because you want to be honest with your client. Yes. Yet maybe you still have a sales budget. Um, I know I'm thinking about friends that I know, but that's not an entrepreneurial. They're in, you know, let's say they sell clothes. Mm -hmm. So if you know that, you know, the quality of your uh, silk is less than this or the quality of the stitching is less. It is hard to be confident, but you have to make the call. You have to make the sales, you know. I think a key thing there, and this is true uh, for a lot of coaches and consultants who are selling themselves. They are the product. And mm -hmm. so just like with your, I think that's a great um, uh, analogy, thinking about the cloth, the silk is imperfect. It's not maybe the very best. The person who's the coach or consultant that's calling on the client may not be the very best in the world. And yet we lose sight of the strengths that we have that we're bringing to the table. And I think having that awareness and appreciation for our own strengths and, you know, the self-critic brain, you know, chatter that goes on in our head can really set us back and keep us from taking the steps that we need to take to be successful in whatever the business is. So even if they are, you know, have shortfalls in certain areas, either individually or the product itself, they're in business for a reason. They're selling this product in a reason for a reason. So what are the strengths that can be emphasized in talking about those characteristics and how they fit in with what the client may be looking for. I just think it, it, 
it comes across in our words and our right. demeanor with someone else. And I think learning to speak with certainty about who we are and what we can do and then determining if that's a good match with what the client is looking for. Because maybe we're enough, you know, maybe what we have is enough for them. Or and if for some reason we haven't done as good a job at communicating that, then we have the opportunity to learn from that. So next time we're more effective. It's all data. It, it's sort of like uh, one of uh, two people, Steve Chandler, who I mentioned in that other book, I've read 11 of Steve Chandler's books. Wow. He and Brian Johnson, who has a website called Optimize, both talk about approaching what you do as a scientist approaches running an experiment. You know, you have your hypothesis about what you expect will happen, but then when you get the results, it's just data. You don't yep. judge the data and say, I'm a failure. You know, I can't do anything right. It's just data. It's information. So if the result isn't what you expected or hoped for, then you take a neutral stance and say, all right, what can I learn from this? So you don't get in this you know, up and down cycle of, oh, I'm good. Oh, no, this sale didn't go through. I'm bad. And, and, you know, this emotional roller coaster instead just take a more, you know, neutral view and say, this is what I learned. So next time I know to do this, this, and this, and not that. Well, I think that that would tie, yes, exactly. And that would tie in to how you say that very often coaches and trainers, the client actually buys them. So that's where very often they're tripped up because there's no, um, because there's even the coach identifies themselves so strongly as in their identity of who they yes. are as a person is the same as who they are as a coach. And so if a client says no, it's, it's really personal because you didn't buy me, yes. which means, you know, I'm not enough. And then I was going to add on to that, that even all of these, um, you know, coaching calls, when you live it from a neutral state, as in fact and information collection, that's a great opportunity to even up level the quality of your program. Because if clients are asking you for something that you don't have, wow, the past three clients have told me that really what they're looking for is this, then yes. that's, that's an, a creative inspiration to say, wow, yes. people have told me that. How about if I integrate that into what I'm doing? Yes. And I think that whole idea of taking a creative approach to whatever happens. Um, another favorite Steve Chandler quote is when something happens that wasn't expected or hoped for to ask, what's the gift in this? Wow. What's the gift in this? And uh, so I want to share a story with you because this is relevant. Uh, when you think about communication skills, you know, I said listening was at the top. The ability to give feedback is also really important, whether it's constructive, because something happened you weren't happy about, or positive. And I think we, we don't give enough positive feedback. But here's an interesting thing that was transformational for me not long ago. There was somebody I'm working with who, in the previous exchange uh, on this one day, I just thought, man, I need to give him feedback about this, this, and this. 
he's not the kind of person that would necessarily welcome feedback. So I thought, I'm going to just sit on this and not say anything immediately. And sometimes that's a very good thing to do because we can, we get in the self-righteous mode, right? Well, I, how did you do that? So I let that go and I slept on it. And the next morning I had a different thought. And my thought was, what is it about having this person in my life that I'm grateful for? What is it I really appreciate about him? And I wrote out a dozen things really fast. And do you know, I had no need to give that constructive feedback because it was trivial compared to all the things I realized I valued about him. Wow. And the, the final chapter of that story, in fact, that day when I was talking to him, I said, you know, I made a list of things of, that I appreciate about, about you. And he said, oh, are you going to share it with me? <laughs> I said, well, I'll tell you two or three. <laughs> but, but then it turned out the very next day, he asked for my input about how to handle a specific situation. And I was able, in a different context, to share some of that same information I had been wanting to give him as constructive feedback. But I did it in more of a coaching role where I just kind of helped him observe how he might be coming across to this other person. It was just amazing, the difference. Even, um, you know, Napoleon Hill will talk about when, when you have the clarity, as in even what you were saying, it was still your highest service to find an opportunity to share these things with this client so he could improve you know, his skills in, in what he does. But instead of being the, the pusher honor, you know, instead of pushing on, you were in the, I'm trusting that the situation will align so that an opportunity comes for him to be able to hear also my valuable feedback. Mm -hmm. And until, until that energy situation, you know, and this, either the listeners, they might or might not have already experienced um, what we're talking about. But it, it, there is a space that's a very, uh, it's, it's an energetic space that you do create with your intentions, with your thoughts, with your positivity, with the intuition and the flow, uh, with the clarity, this is information that for me, highest service for this person. And then you did, all you had to do was wait, which is not a passive thing. Right. The situation will evolve so that we can both be of highest service to each other. And, and when yeah. you really base your business, I find, on creating that energetic space, which is what you've said, the attitude really good listening, appreciation for the client, knowing that they're in your life for a gift. You know, uh, that's where I find business becomes so much more fun. And, you know, that's such a key word. I think too often in business, and I have been guilty of this myself, um, we take ourselves and the situations way too seriously I tend to be more of a serious person by nature. And so um, it's, 
it's easy to fall into that trap. Oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? And instead to look at how can I make a game of this? You know, how can I have fun with this situation? What can I create from this? It, it changes the whole energy Very of much. the situation when you have that kind of approach. And it's not that you're trivializing it. You're just framing it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really crucial to relationships um, as well as, you know, how you yourself are thinking and being, but how you come across to others. If you're too serious, if you don't laugh often or at all, you know, that's, that's not an attractive kind of person to be around. Well, if, if you're in a public relations situation or if you're in a helping others situation, I find that that lightness uh, adds or creates the, the environment for people to be more real. Yeah. Um, and then there's probably professions where, you know, you're maybe a lawyer. And so it's, you know, the, the, the evil eye exchanges, you know, because there, there, it's a different context, you know, it's yeah. about who's going to win. And, and instead, you know, our conversation is an invitation to people that a win-win is when there's the relationship, when you're serving, you know, how would you describe the, the win-win? Well, I think it's um, the real win-win is when both people have that kind of approach. Uh, You know, how can I um, come out of this with what I would like and how can I make sure this other person comes out with what they would like as well? So you're not digging your heels in and saying my way or the highway. It's really taking the broader picture and looking at you know, what, what will work for both of us? Mm. Because that in itself, when you assure the other person, you know, I want this to be a good experience for you as well. And I want to make sure you're happy when we're finished here. It creates a different dynamic than when they sense, I want this and I'm going to push for this. And this is the only way of looking at this situation. So well, would just critical. How long are your, let's say, sales and marketing calls usually? How much time do you dedicate to those? Well, I guess it varies. You know, an initial conversation might be 30 minutes as a way to get to know them and then determining what would make sense, if anything, for the next step. And so if I do a demo with someone, that might be 45 minutes to an hour to show them our program and, and also get their input and questions and, and have more conversation along the way. So well, listeners, then, give, give listeners an idea. What exactly do you do okay. for your clients? All right. Well, we are not coaches ourselves. We provide tools that are used by coaches, consultants, and then people inside organizations that have responsibility for leadership development or learning and development. So one of our products is called 2020 Insight, and it's a 360 feedback or general survey tool. So you use, it's more of an assessment where you find out what do people, you know, like about what I'm doing? What do they wish that I would change or or improve? And so we've created a customizable tool that people can use to get feedback, you know, about an individual or about a team and its performance or about a company. So it could be used for employee engagement. So that's one piece, the assessment, where you get information that will help you 
learn what people want more of from you and less or different from you. The other tool is called Strong for Performance, and that's an online coaching and development tool. It's not like a typical e-learning system where people log in and they answer knowledge test questions and then they are off and running. This is interactive with the goal of rewiring their brain for a new skill or a new um, behavior pattern. So that if you listen, for example, in a particular way, your brain is wired that way. It has been over the years because of how you've actually made physical connections. And there's no delete key in your brain to say, okay, get rid of that, start this new thing. No, you have to set out a whole new pathway. So right. our program helps provide that repetition, practice, and support from a coach. And this can be a coach they choose. It could be an external coach, an internal coach inside the company. But someone who cares and is going to be kind of cheering for them and keeping them on track, just like a personal trainer at the gym would do. Right. So we're all about, you know, helping people make changes to their behavior that in the long term help them perform more effectively and help the others around them perform more effectively because of how that individual is behaving. Well, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in, in contacting sure. you? Well, my favorite social media platform is LinkedIn. So they can, I would love to have them connect with me on LinkedIn. And then our websites are uh, strong4forperformance.com and 2020, the numbers, 2020insight.net. Super. Okay, a closing message, because I know that you have another appointment soon. Um, what... Um, what would you recommend as, well, you, you give? What kind of advice could you give to entrepreneurs um, that, that are lacking in confidence, let's say, in their leadership skills and their communication skills? What should they start doing? Well, I think a commitment to listening and asking questions is an excellent first step. And listening, you know, for a lot of people, that means I stop interrupting or speaking over people, you know, and, and I'm willing to learn the patience to wait and let them finish before I jump in. Because I think that that, you know, can get in the way. The other thing is just making a commitment to act and ask you know, take bold actions every day, do something every day that scares you, because it will build up that courage that you need um, to build the confidence. You can't just manufacture confidence. Confidence comes from taking actions, exercising courage, doing things that scared the, you know, the jabbers out of you, but you did it anyway. And afterwards, no matter how it came out, you give yourself credit for having done it. And I think that too often we talk ourselves out of taking actions, which yep. results in procrastination, a much lower level of performance and results than we could have otherwise if we just quit worrying about what other people think or what rejection we might experience. Get past yourself. Very <laughs> good. To myself as I say this, you know, because I've done this myself many times, too often over the years. 
and instead just say, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody tells me no. Well, so what? You know, if you've ever had a two-year-old in your life, you know how many times you had to tell them no, and they survived. <laughs> so I think that's it. And, and just maintaining a sense of humor along the way. So yeah, super. Don't give up. Yeah, that's really, really good because that, that, that closed off the interview in, in some good positive inspiration because if people feel called, especially in certain professions, you know, one thing is if you, you didn't really want to be in the job that you're in, you know, that's a whole different conversation. But the majority of the listeners are probably people that have really chosen that because they feel that that is part of their life purpose. And so now, you know, Meredith is just saying, hey, get the courage, go for it, pat yourself on the back every, every day that you took action toward building relationships, listening, serving for the highest good of others. And, you know, that, that all comes back to us. Give. Give, give, give. And it does. It does. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Oh, uh, Diana, I thank you for having me. It was so much fun to be with you. I knew we would have a good time <laughs> and also share information that hopefully has been valuable to the listeners. Yes, super. So this is Journey to Success Radio. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.